you to take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to be there in just a minute. It's so good to be home. We've been away. Uh, thank you for allowing your staff and uh, ministry leadership team to join our international general assembly and conventions. Carrie and I tacked on a week of vacation after that. I don't feel led to share a bunch of the stories from vacation, though, friends, I have a lot. I can tell you about sunburned knees and kayak arms and all kinds of stuff. We may talk about some other day. But I experienced something on this week of vacation that uh, I won't lose the taste of for a long time. Uh, my family has a little cottage on Indian Lake Nazarene campground right there on the water. And when we go to the cabin, it's kind of a free-for-all with food. And this cabin has been stocked with food, and we eat it down. And some may stay there from one year to the next to the next. But I, I'm an adventure eater, and so I'm just going to take my risk and try whatever's there. A couple weeks ago, one of you came to me and said, Pastor Brady, whenever you're sharing a story or an illustration, it seems like a lot of them have to do with food. Is there, is there an issue there? Is there something there? I must just have a passion for food or something. But I got into a package of something that I have no passion for whatsoever now anymore. There was a package of saltine crackers, which are good. I like those. And, and I opened it up and, and I put one in my mouth and it was nasty. I didn't know that crackers could go rancid. Anybody ever had rancid crackers before? It was just spoiled and rotten. I don't mean stale. No, hold on, don't vote yet. If stale, no, that's fine, whatever, you're, you're a crybaby. This is nasty, rancid crackers. Now raise your hand. Have you ever had one of those before? It's disgusting. I didn't know they could go so bad, and it looked good. It looked fine. It was even sealed. I opened the package the box wasn't there. The expiration date was long gone, whoever threw that box away. But it looked fine, but when I ate it, it was old and bad. Contrast that with our little bit of time in Chipshawana. And one of the things I love about my wife, if you don't know my wife, Carrie, very well, I describe myself as a boring train that charts the course, but my wife is the roller coaster that brings excitement into our world. And one of her things is everything is the greatest and the best or the worst and the most horrible. And we were there and she said, Brady, you have to try this soft pretzel. It's the best in the world. And I was feeling a little salty myself and I kind of jabbed back, really the best in the world. Like there's no other pretzel better. She said, it's the best. And I tried it. It was pretty good. And what was happening is, is they just took a lump of dough that was raw before and then they formed it into a pretzel and then they put it in the oven and they baked it fresh and slathered all kinds of stuff that's not good for you but tastes really good on top of it and handed it to you and it was so good. I share all that silliness with you because part of my prayer for this morning has been, God, would you let us feast anew on a fresh word from you? The passage of Scripture we're going to look at Many of you in this room have read over and over again. You've heard sermon after sermon on this. And they are wonderful sermons, I'm sure. But what we are after is a fresh word of manna from God today. So let's open our hearts and mind and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us again from John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. John chapter 15, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me, and I will remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains or abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain and abide in me, and my words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This morning, I want us to catch how interesting this is. How do we show ourselves to be a true disciple? This word is telling us that we bear fruit. Much fruit. More fruit. You see, some people... Some theologians believe that this text, this passage of Scripture, is one of the deepest teachings in all of the Bible. Knowing that God is my friend is true and good, but this is a deeper teaching. Knowing that God has given us gifts, this is true and good, but this is a deeper teaching. The heart, the crux, the foundation, the deepest, the most mature teaching that we find, many say, is in this passage of the vine and the branches. Let's get some terms straight right from the beginning. Look at it with me. The vine is who? The vine is Jesus. Jesus is teaching in this parable here, and and the vine is Jesus. The branches are who? Us, the Christians, the believers. And the gardener is the Father. It's the Father's job to look over the whole plant, to look over the entire vine and the branches, and to see where the pruning needs to take place in the branches so that fruit can flourish and take place. The minute that something blocks the flow in the vine and blocks it in the branches, the fruit will not be produced. It will begin to wither, it will get crusty, and it will die. The Father is watching to cut out these blockages so the life-giving sap can go through the vine to the branches and to produce fruit. Why? So the sap can flow. So life can do what it's intended to do to produce fruit. Now this teaching that we're about ready to dive into, I want you to know this is for Christians. This is for a believer in Jesus Christ. Now if you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to define what a Christian is. This doesn't mean you go to church. It doesn't mean that you grew up in a family that goes to church. It doesn't mean that you have a mom or a dad or or an extended family that loves Jesus. But you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've confessed your sins. You've made him in charge in your life. And to the best of your ability, you are living for him. If you are a Christian, raise your hand here this morning. Just, Just real high. Keep it up. Raise your hand. This message is for you. You can put your hands down. 
If you're here today and, and you're, you're kind of checking God out and you're not so sure about the Christianity thing, I want you to know you are welcome here. I want you to explore and experience God at whatever level you're comfortable, but I want you to know the next number of minutes will not make sense to you. You're welcome here. Hear me. You're welcome I want you to be here, but this message is for the believer. It's for the Christian. If you're here and you're just an average churchgoer and you haven't given your life to Jesus, the passion from the speaker, from the hearer, from this text will not make sense to you. The conclusion from this parable will not have any gripping effect on you. Because, you see, it's it's easy to say, well, I I don't know that I I want to be in the vine. I want a job. I want to be happy. I want to be content. I don't really want to burn in hell, but other than that, kind of leave me alone. That would be the attitude of the heart or the understanding of someone who is not a believer. But for every believer, this will connect with you. This will have a resonating tone in your spirit as God is calling us to understand what this relationship should look like. Every believer is going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to them through this passage. So we've got the branches. We're the branches, the Christians, the believers. Jesus is the vine or the plant. The Father is the gardener. Now these truths that we're going to look at, they're enlightening. They're challenging. And sometimes it's like a a revelation to us on what's been happening in our life that we couldn't explain any other way. Now, Now look at number two with me. According to Jesus... Every person who is born again is a branch. Every single person who is born again is a branch. Now this is so encouraging and so important. Don't miss it today. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It doesn't say, try to become a branch. It doesn't say, just try to think branch. You are a branch. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you trust him with your life, you are a branch. So really, all prayers, all aiming, all striving to be a branch, the enemy loves it when we really work hard to be a branch, to become a branch or, or to feel like a branch, even though you're already a Christian, it's an absolute waste of time. It doesn't sound real spiritual, In fact, sometimes we think it's spiritual to say, I'm really working at being a branch today. We think it's kind of a humble thing. I'm just hoping I can be a branch. Hey, it may sound spiritual. It may sound humble. It's a waste of time. Either you're a branch or you're not. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've accepted his as your Savior, you are a branch. Now, you might be a a sick branch. You, You might be a withering branch. But you are a branch. You see, I I remember a a student when I was a youth pastor in Kansas City. I'll let his name be anonymous right now. But he was real big on feelings. And there's nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings are good. God gives us feelings. We shouldn't be afraid of emotion. Where there is motion, there is emotion. But as one author says, emotion makes a good caboose, not a good engine. They are good slaves, but they're not good masters. And this one student allowed his feelings or his emotions to be his master instead of a slave or the caboose. And I think in that three-month period of time, that one summer, this student got saved 15 times. I mean, every time the altar was open, he hit the altar. Every time there was an opportunity, he came down and he said, it's just not working. 
Something is just not right, so I need to get saved again. I'm not a branch. I want to be a child of God. I want to be a Christian. I must not be a Christian. I don't feel like a Christian. I don't think I look like a Christian. I I want to be a branch. I'm going to try to be a branch. And finally, I had to just look the student in the face and say, friend, you're a Christian. There's some other problems going on that John 15 is going to talk about, but you are a branch. The message for somebody today, the take-home point, is this right here. There's some of us in this room that we have wasted so much time and energy trying to strive to be a branch. I don't feel like a branch today. I don't think I look like a branch or a Christian or a believer today. If you trust in Jesus Christ, you are a branch. As I said, you may be sick. You may be a messed up branch. You may be a drooping branch. You may be withering, but you are a branch. There's a second thing that I think is a little bit even more staggering for us. Third thing, rather. Look at number three. The life of the vine is the exact same life as the branch. Now hang with me here. This is, as I told you, this is a deep teaching in Scripture. This is for the mature believer, but there is power here. There is energy here. There is something that can free up your life here. The life of the vine is the same exact life of the branch. The only way a branch stays alive is by participating in the life of the vine. Now, friends, I think this is an overwhelming majority of the problem of the church of Jesus Christ in America. How many times do we make Christianity to be about our consumeristic ideas of church that has nothing to do with true Christianity, true following of Jesus? Christianity has nothing to do with your denominational membership. I'm proud of the team that God has called us to be a part of. I'm loyal to that team. But my faith in Jesus Christ is not that I'm a Nazarene. It's that I am a child of God, born again, set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, Christianity has nothing to do with how relevant or creative your church events are. I mean, there's no reason to be boring on purpose. There's no reason not to engage people on purpose. I mean, that's another problem. But friends, we are not Christians because we're exciting or we think we are relevant. We are not Christians, and our Christianity is not based on what we want to hear or what we want to consume. We are Christians because we are connected to the vine, because the life of Jesus flows through us and produces fruit. Amen? That's what it means to be a Christian. Christianity is about sharing and appropriating the life of Christ so that I can bear fruit. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. There's nothing deeper than that. You want to get on the ground floor of Christianity? You really want to get to the the nuts and bolts, the, the core? You remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you can do all things through me. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. There is nothing deeper than being connected in the living union with Christ so that his life becomes your life. Are you struggling trying to be holy? We talk a lot about living a holy life here, and and that's good. Are, Are you struggling trying to live a holy life? Friend, you will never be able to be holy in your own strength. You can be holy by being connected to the vine and allow his holiness to flow through you and to make you holy. It's all about you being connected to him. Are you struggling to try to love that EGR? You know what an EGR is? 
It's an extra grace required person. Now, you're not saying they're bad. You're not trying to make fun of them. It's just a fact. that they, It just takes extra grace required to be around them. Everybody has someone in their life who is an extra grace required person. And let me tell you another secret. You are somebody's extra grace required person. All of us. I may be yours. <laughs> you get around me and you go, oh, I need extra grace to be around Brady. He just drives me crazy. If you cannot think of anybody like that, let me tell you, you are that person or the person next to you. You, you know that person. I mean, you want to try to love them, but they just rub you the wrong way, and, and you try to do the generous thing, and they get mad at you for doing the generous thing. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't make them happy. It just is always conflict, and you try to love them. But you don't ever seem to have enough love. Friend, you will never love that person the way you are called to love them. Unless it's the love from the vine flowing through you. It is his love that should love them, not yours. There's freedom here. There's power here. Don't miss it. It's right in this chapter. See, Jesus says, if you can't persevere, stay connected to me. My perseverance will flow through you. If you don't have wisdom, stay connected to me. My wisdom will flow through you. In fact, I designed this life for you, that you will abide in me, that you will stay connected, you will remain in me, and I will remain in you. And it will be my lifeblood, my sap, the Holy Spirit that flows through you, that will enable you to live this Christian life. Think how sad the lack of fruit is in our life. Especially when the fact that God the Father devised a system where branches like you and I are to be connected to Jesus the vine and the whole source of strength comes from him. How sad is it that we don't have fruit? I think this explains so many problems in our Christian life. It's to abide in him 24-7, moment by moment, I'm connected to him. This is not about decisionism. This is not about saying, I'm going to do better next time. This is about saying, Jesus, I need you every step of the way. The mature Christian doesn't walk around like this. (laughs) I've got it. I've got it. The mature Christian says, Jesus, I need you in the next step. I need you in the next step. I need you in the next step. When you hear a mature believer like Betty who just stands up and she can't keep it in because the well is springing up inside of her, the life source, just look around and find someone who knows Jesus and they will tell you that he is their strength, he is their life, he is the source of everything. So many of us, when we go through a crisis, we cling to him and we can begin to see that life stream coming through. But friend, those of you who are absolutely in no crisis right now, this is for you. The life is still there. God wants a wellspring to spring up inside of you before the crisis hits. See, we have reduced Christianity, I think, to times and places. We say, Father, I'm going to do my devotions right now. And that's a good thing. We need to do devotions and to study. But if I don't abide in him, if I don't remain connected to him, I can do my devotions. But within a few hours, I'll be drooping and withering, and I will have blocked the life source. I have to stay connected to him. Why? Because then I am left with Brady Weishart's resources. And Brady's resources are nasty. They're not at all capable of what God calls us to live in the Christian life. And friend, your resources are nasty. 
rancid, spoiled. See, apart from him, I can do nothing. You can do nothing without being connected to Jesus. Well, I think I can do something. It may not be perfect. It may not be great, but I can do something. No, you can do nothing. So much of the frustration, I think, in the Christian walk, and so much of the discouragement, and so much of the the, the feeling the weight is because we think that I'm going to have a high moment with Jesus where I'm connected to him, I'm abiding in the vine, then I detach, and I come out here, and the life withers within moments. And he says, stay connected to me, abide in me. Then when I am abiding in him, I can do all things through Christ. You see, you can come to Saturday night prayer meeting, you can pray for a half hour, you can pray for an hour, you can pray for two hours, but if you don't abide in him by Sunday morning, you can be gossiping and slandering and allowing all kinds of nasty stuff to spew from your mouth and your heart. Amen? Some of you look like, Pastor, don't say that. Friends, it's true that if we're not connected to Jesus, abiding in him, there will not be fruit. Number four, and this key truth in this passage, the whole purpose of the branch, the whole purpose of the Christian, the whole purpose of the believer, the whole purpose of our existence is to bear fruit. He gives us life that we may bear fruit. What glorifies God? Singing hallelujah, that glorifies God. But there is something way deeper than that. Because anybody can sing hallelujah and raise their hands. But look at verse 8. Verse 8 tells us, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. The Father is working on the plant to bear much fruit because that's what brings glory to Him. So what is the fruit? The fruit in our life is when we are led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. A good picture of the Trinity is this. The Father is the gardener. The Son is the vine. The Holy Spirit is the sap or the life that goes through that vine. Galatians 5.16 tells us, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's this life when I'm abiding in Him that gives me strength. That's what glorifies God. See, the fruit that glorifies God, what kind of fruit is it? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's living differently In a world that is messed up. It's loving people in a hostile environment where the world won't love them. That's full of hate. We bring love. That glorifies God. In a perverse world, when we live pure and holy lives in front of all kinds of immorality, this brings glory to God. Bearing the fruit that only Jesus can produce in our life brings glory to God. So when is this vine bearing fruit, and where is the vine going to bear fruit? I think some of the biggest battles that bring glory to God are the ones that nobody sees. When no one is around you, when that area of of blockage, you allow the Holy Spirit to cut that out, and the life source comes through and fruit begins to develop, often it's when nobody is watching. It's when nobody sees, and you allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. Here's a final thought, and then I'll be through. The Father is glorified by us bearing fruit. 
We understand we don't need to waste time trying to be a branch. If you're a Christian, you are a branch. You may be a sick branch. You may be a withering branch. But the purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. Now get this. The fifth key principle here is the gardener prunes us to produce much fruit. We have to abide in him, be connected to him. But so many times we focus on the pruning and we begin to forget what he is doing in our life. The potential fruit that is there. So often we focus on this cutting away at something that we miss. It brings something even greater. I remember, uh, I'm not much of a gardener, and my parents aren't either, but my grandfather was. We called him Pappy. Pappy came over to our house one uh, Thanksgiving, and he went out and he saw this tree, and he didn't talk to mom or dad or anybody else, and he just began to hack away with a saw at this tree and chop off limb after limb after limb after limb, and it started to look pretty gross. But he just took the limbs and threw them away and just came inside. I'll never forget because the tension in the home was, I remember my parents thinking, we want to honor Pappy, but who is he to go out there and just start hacking away stuff? And it looks horrible. The neighbors are going to see this, and and this is just a horrible tree. But what we didn't know was that very next season, it blossomed. It bloomed bigger than it ever had before. He knew what he was doing, and he knew that there were shoots. He knew that there were suckers that were coming off of that tree that were taking the life away from the blossom that could be there. You see, God, as we remain in the vine and the life source remains in us, he will prune and cut us. There will be things in every believer's life where he'll say, hey, that right there, we could produce more fruit if we would get rid of that wasted energy. This is blocking the flow of the the life source of the Holy Spirit in your life, and let's cut that out. But I think sometimes as Christians, we pull back and we say, I don't want to be cut. I don't think that God causes all circumstances. But I know that he doesn't waste any of them to prune us. Somebody here today, one of the great discouragements in your walk with Christ is you just feel cut to the core. It may be a circumstance in life. It may be something that you feel like God has let you down. Friend, I want you to hear me clearly. God does not cause all things to happen, but God works all things together for the good of those who love him. He will begin to cut away and chisel away things in us that are blocking the flow of life in our walk with him. I think God says, oh, Brady, (laughs) that doesn't smell like me. That didn't look like me. Let's go ahead and get rid of that attitude. Let's go ahead and get rid of that thought. If, if we don't, it's going to clog it up and it's going gonna, it's gonna to block the life that I want to produce fruit in your life. I think the father looks at, at one of his daughters and says that she has got this, this thing blocking in her and, and I need to cut it out so life can happen. I think sometimes we feel like if, if I can stay away from the pruning knife, then, then it will be better. Friends, you are a branch, but you may be withering and drooping, and if we don't allow him to cut that out, we will die on the vine, and that branch will be separated, and it will be cut off, and no good for anything but being thrown into the fire. I don't say that as a threat. Jesus isn't saying this as a threatening thing. He's saying, stay connected to me. Let me pour my life through you. 
We should not waste any time trying to bear fruit, to try to be more fruitful, but we should invest ourselves in staying connected to the vine. As we close this morning, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to put his thumb in your back and ask you a couple of these questions. I think the first question he's asking us is, is what's blocking the flow of my spirit in your life? Friend, will you choose to abide in him and allow him to cut that blockage out? Or will you choose to disconnect from him and to be cut off from the vine? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes right now. If you're here this morning and the Lord has been speaking to you through this passage of Scripture, He may be calling you back to a wellspring of life. If you're honest today, there's a river of something flowing out of you, but it doesn't feel like life. It feels like a whole bunch of other stuff. He wants you to stay connected to Him. Maybe today you need to seek Him and pray and say, God, I want to be connected to the vine. I want to abide in you. I'm sick and tired of trying to be a branch, striving to be a branch. I am a branch, and I'm going to stay connected to you. Maybe that's you today. You just need to spend some time at the feet of Jesus. There's somebody else here today that the Holy Spirit is putting his thumb in your back and he wants to do some pruning. There are some things that are blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's, it's limiting the amount of fruit that can happen. It may be an attitude. It, it may be some kind of action. It may be a bitterness that you're hanging on to. It may be some kind of area of doubt or fear or insecurity. But he says, let me cut this out. Let me remove this. I can produce more fruit in you. If that's you today, I want to invite you to do a hard thing. Before there's any music, before there's any singing, I want you to, in just a moment, not yet, I want you to stand up. I want you to step out and come and kneel at this altar and pray. You say, well, Brady, what will people think of me? They'll probably think you're making the best decisions of your life. Well, they may think I'm not a Christian, friends. This message is for the believer. This message is for the branches. If you're here today and God's speaking to you, maybe drawing you back to the life source, or he's put his thumb in your back on an area that needs to be pruned and cut out to be more fruitful, right now I want you to stand up, step out, and come forward and kneel and pray. You just mind God. Don't come because I'm telling you to come. You'll know. It'll be like a neon sign flashing in your mind. He'll tell you what it is. Don't come to please me or somebody else. You just obey God. If he's speaking to you, you get up and you come and kneel. If you can't kneel, you come and you sit on the front row. I'm going to ask Pastor Edgar to go ahead and come. As we sit in the presence of the Lord right now, I want us collectively to call on the name of the Lord and to ask him to let his mighty spirit flow through us. Father, I pray for these, my friends, who have come to seek you more deeply, 
They love you. They're committed to you. They're followers of you. But Lord, I pray that you will keep them connected to the vine. Remind them today that they are branches. They are Christians. They don't have to try to be a Christian. They don't have to try to look like a Christian or try to act like a Christian. They are a Christian. So Lord, keep them and help them to make the choice to stay connected to you, to abide in you. Lord, I ask that you will allow fruit to blossom in their life. Lord, as we continue to study over the next number of weeks of what that looks like and how that takes place, I pray that you'll stretch us there. But right now here today, I pray that you will encourage their spirit and allow that life source to come through. God, I think for many of us in this room today, some who have come seeking at the altar, I pray that you will cut out of us anything that is blocking that life flow. Prune us, Father. Help us become even more undignified than this, that we are willing to be made whatever you want us to be to bring glory to your name. I pray right now, God, you will cut out any area of disobedience. I pray that you'll cut out any area of selfishness. Begin to carve away at that area of pride. Chisel away that blockage, God, of fear. Chisel away that area that maybe no one else in the room knows about, but you and that person know about, God. Begin to remove that so your life can pour through again. Lord, I pray that you will encourage my brothers and sisters in the seats today that love you, that may not feel a special prompting today, but Lord, allow them to celebrate the life, the wellspring of life that comes up in their life through you. Father, I thank you right now in advance for the work that you're going to do in my brothers and sisters in my life today. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen and amen.